Welcome to Infinity War and Beyond, the podcast where we subject ourselves to every MCU film. One Marvel Studios flick a week until we reach the blatant grab for cash that is Avengers Infinity War. I'm Christoph, and I guess I'll be your host for this week as we uh, look at Avengers Age of Ultron. As always, joining me is my co-host, Billy. Hello. Hey, you going, Billy? I'm good. How are you? Look, I'm doing all right. Uh, really? Look, I'm annoyed that this week we have to uh, talk about Avengers Age of Ultron when I'd like... Yeah. There's something I'd much rather talk about. I don't know. It's just... It's weird. Like, I... Um... Like, I mean, I, it's... I think it's been a long time since I watched Avengers Age of Ultron. Do you, have you seen it, bef- like, after you saw it in the theatres? Yeah, seen I it did. The and... I saw it maybe, like, once or twice. But, yeah, I don't know. I feel like... There's other things I kind of want to talk about. Like, mm. I mean, it's been a are few we, weeks since... Are you referring to Queer Eye? Yeah, that, too. <laughs> Which but is also, very good. Yeah, the Avengers. As well. I, you know I, what? I, I know. I'm, I'm gay, I'm allowed to say that. I really wish that uh, Queer Eye had come out around the same time as Justice League, so you could... Because so I, I really want to, like, uh, tweet a picture of them with the hashtag... With the uh, caption, nothing but respect for my Justice League. Yes. Yes. Um, I didn't realise, like, how good the show... Yeah, would be. I mean, or incredible. even like, I mean, I watched Black Panther for a second time um, the other week, um, and it's been a few weeks since it's been released. Mm. So, I mean, I wouldn't mind talking about that again. But we yes. will, we will talk about okay. we will do a re- refresher of Black Panther. Yes, um, I'm closer if, to when we uh, get closer to Infinity War. Yeah, um, in our Thor Ragnarok episode, we will do a catch up of Black Panther. Mm. But as basically, well. the gist of this episode is, I mean, as we've I've certainly touched on is. Sometimes this podcast, I feel a little bit like we wouldn't be watching this film if we didn't have to, and this well, film was definitely bit, one of those films. I like rewatching the films. It's like, as I've mentioned before, it's like going back to an old comic, like an old comic book series or an event. Mm. It's good to read it, but sometimes you don't appreciate as much. But then there's also the mood you're reading it in, um, and also the way you've thought about a comic or a movie back then changes possibly what you do now. Like, yeah, I remember, sure. like, for example, Scott Pilgrim. I love the books. I still mm. think the books are better than the film. I mean, okay. it's hard to put, like, I think it's... Is it six books or seven books? It's like, I thought it was ten, but obviously not. It's no, probably, no. I think it might be seven, then. Yeah, um, seven books into one film, you get rid of a lot of stuff. I, but especially I given I, that the film is like, there are this many evil exes, so it yeah. felt like you were ticking boxes to get to the end. Yeah, and I mean, I enjoyed the film, but then, you know, I've gone back and I'm like, eh, I don't enjoy it as much as I did, but mm. I still enjoy it. But yeah, no, I mean, yeah, Queer Eye has been on my mind at the moment, because I've yeah. been enjoying it. Yeah, no, uh, this, yeah, this film was a bit of a slog, uh, especially given the fact that, I mean, I'm sure it's always been the case, but... I think it was at last year that article came out about Whedon's ex-wife basically saying that he talks like a feminist but he treated me like shit and cheated on me multiple times. Yeah, and look, I mean, people, some people have defended uh, Whedon but some people haven't but then that's the whole thing about the Me Too movement. I'm um, like, peop- the, the actions of various men and to some extent some women that are enabling these actions, um, it's like, for example, you... Like, I mean, there are... There I was are a bit mutual... nervous when you brought me up in no, relation like, to me to us. We've got, we've got mutual friends. Mm. Um, we do have friends. Yeah, but then we also have mutual acquaintances. And your opinion of certain certain acquaintances or friend oh. might be different to what my experience is yes. with them type thing. So that's okay, the whole get, thing. Get... Like, you know, this whole Me Too thing as well. Some people know about mm. stuff and some... Pump... So when people are like, oh, you knew. And it's like, well, not really. People are... 
people are so good these so many years of hiding their shit. Yes. So... I mean, yeah, the weakness stuff came out, I think, a little bit before me too. And although that obviously the claims against him weren't... Like, he cheated on his wife and he was an arsehole to her. My understanding was there weren't any sexual assault or abuse claims leveled against him. But yeah. I think the issue was, right, that he... He, I, my understanding is he calls himself a feminist quite vocally and has positioned himself he's, he's as almost, a feminist writer. Yeah, he's almost like a white knight. Yeah, great, that's a really, yeah, that's a really good uh, example. Or yeah. good phrasing. Um, and then turns out that he doesn't walk the walk. Yeah. yeah. He talks the talk, but he was shitty to his wife. But then the other thing as well, like, when you're, when you're younger and you watch a TV show, you feel like that creator did everything. So, like, Buffy. Mm. I love Buffy. I'm not hearing a bad word against it. I mean, some seasons are worse than others. Hmm. Um, like the university season. But, um, like, you don't realise, like, no, wait, he didn't direct every episode. Did he it's, write every episode? No, that's... Because there would have like, been a writer's room. Yeah, the writer's room. You get p- different people directing different episodes as well. And that's why a lot of people... You know, will say, "Hey, you're being hired for for that powerful episode that you directed," type thing. Um, so that's the other thing you you slowly realize as you get older. Like, oh wait, he didn't do all this, but yeah, you know, you can he did, all, he did most of Firefly, and I love Firefly. Yeah, I get what you're getting at. Is so the idea that you can distance if a create sometimes you can you can distance a creator from their work if they created it, but then other people were involved. Yeah, like I mean, now mm. with the Kill Bill stuff, it's like I love yeah, Ki- I love tricky. Kill Bill. Because of Uma, Uma Thurman. Mostly Uma Thurman. And I think Uma Thurman um, playing the character and everything, but then it's like... Eh. But then we've had this discussion, I'm not a fan of his later films. Tarantino? Yeah. I, I've i enjoyed some Tarantino stuff, but I mean, like, for There's me... That I don't enjoy. He's always come across as a wanky asshole, and yeah. that's not going to change. But then, you know, everyone's entitled to their opinion as well. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, um, there are so many cool things, that, as we said, so many cool things, like Queer Eye... Black Panther, and yet we're talking about freaking Avengers, too, which he wrote, uh, I believe, alone and directed. Yeah. Now, when was it released, Christoph? So it was released in 2015. Yes, and there was there wasn't any writers on on it besides him. Besides Whedon. Well, let's get into that in a tick in context. But first, let's hit to the trailer. I'm going to show you something beautiful. Everyone screaming for mercy. You want to protect the world, but you don't want it to change. You're all puppets. Tangled in strings. Strings. Nothing lasts forever.
Welcome back to Infinity War and Beyond. Now we're going to jump into context, where we sort of throw some movie sets at you and talk a little bit about, I guess, what the world was like and where the Marvel Cinematic Universe was like at the time this film was released. Uh, like Billy said before we cut the trailer, uh, <clears throat> Avengers Age of Ultron was released in 2015. May 1st. May 1st. Sorry, thank you, Billy. You're on You're on the ball. And the budget of this film was $316 million. Which my understanding was Avengers. I, I could be wrong here, but I think Avengers one was two fifty million. Yep. So this is sixty six uh, million. Oh, two twenty. Oh, two twenty. Okay. Yeah. So this is almost a hundred million more, and and it, it earned less. It did earn less, one point four billion. Yeah. Mind you, I mean, when you're breaking a bill, like mm. when you're getting over a billion, I, I think you're doing all right. Yeah. Uh so I remember, just before we get into some sort of the production of this and the yeah. development of it, um, I'd like to kind of get a gist of where you're at with the Marvel Cinematic Universe and your expectations when this film first came out. Okay, so as I've discussed, like my friend, one of my best friends, Matt, uh, me and him have always been like the Marvel guys in our comic book circle of friends. Um, and he's always been more of an Avenger guy than me. But as I said, we traded comics mm. growing up and everything, so I've read some stuff. Like a primitive version of piracy. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> it's almost like comic pen pal. Yeah, no. It makes sense. Comics in Australia are particularly expensive because yeah. of exchange rates and shipping. And shipping. So it makes sense um, to trade them. But um, I was excited for it. I wasn't as excited when the title was revealed. Oh, like so, what about the title? The fact that it involved Ultron? No, the fact that it was called Age of Ultron, and I was kind of like, eh, because I thought it was going to be about the Age of Ultron series, like the miniseries. Are we talking about the Brian Michael Bendis one? Yeah, that which was, not, was which was not well received, not well received at all. But to my like, that sort of changed a bit because then they said, wait, no, it's just the title because it sounds cool to have. Yeah, and it involves Ultron. Yeah, but. I mean, I don't mind Ultron as a villain. Like, he's he's a pretty cool villain in some of the comics, but he's mostly been an Avengers villain. He isn't, like... Yeah. Indiv- he has been appear- He has appeared in individual character stories, but he's more of a team villain. And I guess when we get into pickups, we can talk about that a little yeah. bit more, because, I mean, there were some large changes made to Ultron. Yeah. Um, but, look, I mean, I was sort of hesitant, but also um, interested, because they were going to, you know, introduce... Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch as well. Yes. I feel like for that reason this movie carried a lot of weight because Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch are big Avengers sort of staples. Yeah. And I mean it was going to be Josh Whedon again. Yeah, of course. And remember that everyone was really high off the fumes of the first Avengers at this point. I mean, I think for most people, even maybe with the exception of Cap 2 for some people such as myself, Avengers was still considered the best Marvel film. Yeah, and I mean he had like Avengers and Serenity under his belt as well. Yes. So, yeah, but Serenity yeah. would have been... When was Serenity? That was a while ago. But, you know, those are but like yeah, his movies. Type but, of yeah, like, Fire... I mean, people will never stop being fans of Firefly. Even with this stuff about Joss Whedon coming out, I think mm. there's always going to be people who will defend Firefly to the grave. So, he's... Yeah, he's got a, a pretty rabid uh, following, I would yeah. say. Yeah, so what about, what about you? What did you think of... I remember being really pumped. I remember watching way too many, like, preview clips and yes. trailers, which I think ruined me for this film. Um, I remember being excited because I love James Spader as a villain. Yeah. Or, you know, or as the, like, scumbag. 
I think he's a great actor, and I think he did a great job. I just don't think he was... I just didn't like the direction they took Ultron. But that's, did, not, but that's not on Spader. I did like him being used as a voice, though. Because like, you know how you can think of some people, they're great... Their voice is better than them as an actor in a film? Mm. Yeah, like... Like they're a better voice actor than actor. Well, no, like, he's a great actor, but it was more like for certain things, he's they're a great choice. Hmm. Yeah, no, that's true. I, I think for, for like, a, a, a 3D animated character, he was a very good choice. Um, mm. Well, speaking of James Spader, let's quickly get into the cast list for this. Yeah. Because uh, we've got Robert Downey, Robert Downey Jr. reprising his role as Iron Man, Chris Hemsworth as Thor, Mark Ruffalo as Bruce Banner slash Hulk, Chris Evans, Captain America, Scarlett Johansson, Black Widow, Jeremy Anna Hawkeye, Don Cheadle, uh, War Machine, you get the idea. Uh, the new additions of the cast were Aaron Taylor Johnson as Quicksilver. Mm-hmm. And there was another comic book movie that he was involved in. Do you... Kick-Ass. That's correct. Yeah. And do you know that he's the guy who played his best friend in Kick-Ass yeah. is Quicksilver in the um, Fox X-Men movies? I didn't... I completely forgot about that. Yeah, there was like a meme going around where it was a picture of like... Uh, him and his best friend from like a still from Kickass, and the caption was "Remember when Quicksilver went to school with Quicksilver?" Yes. So it's, okay, that's cool. Yeah, no. That, so that's a fun little factoid. Um, and then the younger Olsen, right. Olsen sister, not a twin, Elizabeth no. Olsen. Elizabeth Even she looks Olsen. like the other ones. Yeah, and Kenny. I don't think I wa- I realized till I finished it that she wasn't one of the Olsen twins. No. Um. So Paul Bettany, who played, um, of course, Jarvis in the previous episode, uh, previous films, just his voice, he was actually, uh, he got his body involved in mm-hmm. this film, um, and of course played the Vision. Yes. Which I would be interested to hear your thoughts on his performance. I thought it was good. I felt it was serviceable. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, he's playing a... Like, he's playing a robot, so... Yeah, he's can... playing a robot. Like, what do you want? Yeah, there's um, so much you can do. The one thing I thought was kind of cool is that God, you just said their names and I forgot about it. Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. Yes. They were in a movie together as well. Really? Prior to this. Godzilla. Was she in Godzilla? Yeah, so they were playing husband and wife in Godzilla. No way, and they're siblings. Yeah. Which is funny because I know in like the Ultimates line of Marvel Comics, they were were banging. They were siblings and they were banging. Yeah. Uh, Some Game of Thrones style action. Um, So the thing that strikes me about this film is it has a big cast. I mean, it has a lot more of the supporting characters. Like, yes. it has, um, as I touched on before, it has Don Cheadle, who, yeah. of course, wasn't in Avengers, even though he'd made his appearance in the Iron Man films at that point. It had Anthony Mackie. Yeah. Um, Hayley Atwell appears, although in a flashback, as does Idris, Idris Elba in a yeah. flashback as well for Thor. Um, and Stellan Skarsgård, who somehow has a job after going crazy in Thor 2. Yeah. And, of course, we've got uh, Samuel Jackson coming back. As we do Colby, Kobe Smulders, yes. whose name always sounds like a fake name to me. Really? Yeah, it just seems like someone like came up with a name on the fly. It doesn't feel like the name you would give your like a, a birth child. Now, Billy, before I forget, how did this film do with Rotten Tomatoes? Because we mentioned it sort of had yeah, it we felt used... so so for us. What's yeah, so Tomatoes we think? usually as part of the podcast we just mention it as a sidebar, um, just as a general thing. I mean nowadays. Recently, Rotten Tomatoes can be a bit hit and miss because a lot of people hack Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, it's easy enough to rig if you mobilise uh, a g- group of angry people. Yeah. Um, unless, the thing is, unless you focus... Unless you go to Rotten Tomatoes and look at just the critics as in the actual 
like people who are paid to review films. Um, it got a seventy five percent. Which um, sounds like high, it, but it's not. Yeah, compared, compared to the rest of the Marvel Universe. Okay. I think the lowest after that is Hulk, and that was like... Wait, what? I think it might have been are you, No, okay, now you've mentioned that. Are you trying to tell me that it is rated lower than Hulk? No, I think close to Hulk. I think. Okay. Yeah. Like, it got a 6.7 out of 10, average-wise. Like, that means people thought it was yeah. worse than Thor the Dark World and Hulk. Both yeah, are a lot, a lot of the reviews were like... It was eye popping and amazing, and everything special effects are great, but it was like overstuffed. Yeah, for sure. Mm. I would say there were too many characters. Now, anyway, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the production, Billy. Do you want to sort of run me through? So, okay, um, around, uh, I believe it was. Was it 2011? Yeah, just like 2011. Before 20... Avengers struck? Yeah, that's when Marvel started to think about phase two. Yes. Um, now, in March 2012. Uh, Josh Whedon, the director of the first film, said that he wanted it to be smaller, more personal, more painful. Which I find very funny, given that having seen Age of Ultron, it is none of those things. Yeah, but then Kevin Feige said that, you know, it was never going to be that, it was always going to be bigger and so forth. Mm. And we've discussed this, I mean, that's what happens usually. The next one in the trequel or whatever yeah, well, is, like, a, bigger. A basic story, stakes. Yeah, basic storytelling principles, you always raise the stakes, and... Yeah. When you're talking about a series of films, especially superhero films, at a certain point the stakes are going to be going to, going to become so insane. Yeah, and then apparently, like in, at the end of 2012, he had like a basic outline for the film, mm-hmm. um, and then like apparently he was asked like around February um, about the film, and he said death will play a theme in the sequel. And Again, that's not really. He looked to a like thing. yeah, and then he said looked to Empire Strikes Back and Godfather Part Two as inspirations. Yeah, that uh, that definitely didn't... Did that come across to you at any point? No. But then the other thing is... Um, at the end of Iron Man 3, Robert Downey Jr. had completed his contract. Yeah, well, that's why the film felt like it could have been the end of the character. Yeah, so... Robert Downey Jr. signed on for this Avengers film, and then a third Avengers film as well. Which I think it showed in this film that Robert Downey Jr., they weren't expecting him to come back... After this Avengers Yeah, and I won't get into it too much, but it definitely felt like this Avengers just acted like Iron Man 3 hadn't happened. Yeah. Um, So yeah, that's pretty much it, yeah. I mean, he's... I think they just... They gave him his little room, go make the Avengers film type thing, but also it has to have this, this and this. Yeah. Because I I, I don't know, I haven't researched much of it, but from my understanding, he did feel a bit... I think he went a bit cuckoo after... Like stressed out about Avengers, making Avengers two. Well, I guess because Avengers one was such a runaway success, yeah, he probably it was sort of like, how do you top that? And the answer is, you you don't. Yeah, because then he, now he's gone to DC, and I think because he, he's do, helping out with the DC. I find it funny that as his career is on the decline now, because all that stuff's come out about him being an asshole, it's when he's at DC. Yeah, because I mean the DC films feel very much like an inferior version of Marvel, so it's kind of funny that they get an inferior Joss Whedon. Yes, like Marvel gets Joss Whedon at his A game, and now DC get him when he's sort of on the, on the way out mm. potentially. Shall we go to pickups? Yeah, let's jump into pickups. Billy, what are pickups for people who haven't heard the show before? So pickups are where we cherry-pick parts of the film that we'd like to discuss or expand on. Sometimes they're character-based, focused, story, or Easter eggs. But yeah, it's little things that stood out to us on our 
this time round watching. Yeah, so a lot of the time they're things that you wouldn't necessarily pick up on first watch, but because we've seen these films multiple times at this point, yeah, uh, yeah, we pick up we pick up on things or things might irritate us or delight us that hadn't previously. Yeah. Um. So I was thinking, as we did for Avengers one, uh, the best way to go through this might be to do character by character, but it, but I think for simplicity's sake, we should probably include Scarlet Witch. And, and Quicksilver as one. Yeah. So do we want to start with them? Because I know their characters near and dear to your heart. Okay, so, um, yeah, so Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, originally in the comics... They're they, mutants, right? Yeah, they were... Well, mm, oh, um, did, does it change? Yeah, it changes. Like, they were originally mutants, and now apparently they're not mutants. Well, they're just genetically Marvel. altered humans in the comics. Oh, so that's a great example of, like, yeah. the film's... Um, changing the comics retroactively. Yeah, I don't know why they changed it. There was no real Ooh. reason. I think they in wanted the comics. To dis- yeah, I think they wanted to distance it away from being. So in the comics, for a long time, they've been Magneto's children. Are they not Magneto's children? No, they're not. Um, so they were originally part of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants uh, with the X Men, and then after a while, they left that and. So there was a period where, in the Avengers series, where um, all the original members left except Cap, and then Cap had to start a new team. Was this, and in, it the, had... was this in like the nineties? No, 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 no. This is like the like original first oh, run of Avengers. Okay. And so the first new additions to the team were Hawkeye, Scarlet Witch, and Quicksilver. Okay. And, like, you know, people knew them as villains, so they had to, like, that whole... All three of them had to do a redemption thing. Like a redemption arc. I yes. I don't. I may have mentioned this before, but I don't understand what Disney's doing in relationship to the comics. Because to me, it seems weird that they feed the comics into the film. Even though I think everyone who enjoys the co- like Marvel comics sees Marvel films, but they don't feed, make any effort to feed people who enjoy the films back mm. into the comics. And even worse than that, often they like, like you said with Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver drastically change things in the comics to be in line in the film in a very sort of... a way that feels very forced. Yeah. So, Quicksilver has... Yep. Super speed. speed. Um, sort of like the Flash. Um, but not. But, but legally very different. Yeah. <laughs> um, Scarlet Witch is... In the comics, look, she has... She's a caster, isn't she? Yeah, it? she's a magical... She has magical powers. Like, she can... Like, it was originally... Like, she's more of a witch now. Like, and controls magic. But back in the day, it was very much like... Altering the, she could do a, a blast of energy or like alter, like she can hex things, like alter the outcome. Yeah, kind so of a yeah. bit like a bit like Domino, who could also alter yeah, probability. Yeah, she had yeah luck powers. But whereas yeah, Domino usually would alter luck in her favor, yeah, power, which would rig luck against her enemies. Yeah, and so um, in this film though, she's telepathic and telekinetic. I get her. They had to do something different. I because... don't like that she just shoots red energy a lot of the time though. Well, she just like, like, but in the shoots out, like red. That. Yeah, but I think I felt like there wasn't enough uh, definition of what her powers could and couldn't do, and I think that was a big something I struggled with in this film was I don't really run you through the powers and powers accelerate sort of like the yeah, vision. Look, I mean, the the general premise is that she's meant to be telepathic and telekinetic. Yes, but weirdly, in a weird way. Yeah. And uh, I, like she sends this red energy out, and um, she can like as opposed crumple, to like you know things and yeah, push people back as opposed to like you know 
Jean Grey and Professor X putting their fingers to the temple and going, to me, my X-Men. Like, and then, you know, talking to someone psychically. Hers is very much like, sends the energy out to alter people psychically. Yeah, so visually they handle that with hand gestures, which I get it, you need to do something visually, so they do hand gestures in red CGI, like lightning, I guess. Yeah. Um, But I I don't know, I don't like the fact that I feel like her powers are a little bit too strong. So, what did you think of Quicksilver's death? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think it was good because I think his betrayal in Age of Ultron was so two-dimensional that he that it, he wouldn't have really added much to other films other than his power set, which had the potential to be a bit overpowered. Okay, so I... I don't know, I really enjoyed this character more... Like, I enjoyed this Quicksilver more than I do his comic one. I Like, I do like his comic books Quicksilver character for... For certain reasons as well, but in the comics he's very protective of his sister as well. Yeah, which, all that which is a, he's almost like a white knight. And that trait comes here, except that she's a leader, and he's sort of like the muscle that protects her. Yeah, like, I mean, he, he, always, he hates everyone that goes out with her. Like he hates Hawkeye, who went out with Scarlet Witch, the Vision, who went out with Scarlet Witch in the comics. Type. So, but and I feel like I know that you mentioned he's two dimensional in this film. Mm. I feel like that's because of its Whedon's thing about killing people. Someone has to die in the thing, out, or someone has to die yeah. in this one season. And I feel like if he wasn't scheduled to die, he might have been a better character in this film. I think it was weird that he died because, and you're right, that's a great point. He was two dimensional, so it was sort of like wasn't surprising when he died. Because you're like, well, of course. He's well, the, not interesting. He's at least interesting character. Of course he's not going to make it. Well, the way he died was, like, essentially, like... So, Ultron is in a Quinjet, and he... Sh- which I thought was stupid. Um, he's shooting yeah. at Hawkeye. And, like, the bullets are about to hit Hawkeye. And Who's kid, holding a kid. I yeah, think that was the main kid. beat, is the fact that Hawkeye is protecting a child. Yeah, and... Um, Hawkeye's about to die, and he turns his back. And then Quicksilver shoves a, like, car or truck in front of Hawkeye, and Hawkeye doesn't die. But because Quicksilver was standing next to the, the the van, he got shot with bullets as well. Like, fuck, a lot of bullets as well. There was, like, 20 bullets thrown into him. Yeah, he's like, oh, one. yeah, he's dead. He's dead. Yeah, it, <laughs> they like, really made it clear that he but died. I there's, feel, no, there's no chance he's coming. I feel like, and I know it was... It was almost a version of... Uh, what's the thing we sit about for refrigerators? Oh, women in refrigerators. It's almost a, a re- women's in re- women in refrigerators reversal. Why? Because he died. He died to prop up Scarlet Witch. Yeah, which is a nice change. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, totally yeah, nice right. change. But, but yeah. that's such a shit plot point. Like that's a shit, shitty way of writing. Yeah, no, totally. Like Scarlet Witch is the out of the two of them. Scarlet Witch is a character that they want you to be attached to, and that's going to go places as she does in. Yeah, Civil look, I mean, War. I, yeah, I great. I love that. I love the fact that she's. I'm looking forward to how she, she's she grows with each um, iteration of the films. Mm. I'm looking to see how how much grown up she is in uh, Infinity War. Mm. But I feel like he easily could have just. You've shown him. You've pushing people away. He could have easily just shoved the car in and not died. Yeah, his death definitely felt very written. Like, it was, you know, that this was always what was planned for the character and there was yeah. no way he could get out of like, it. Like, and I'm not, not against, like, you know, characters dying or anything, but I feel like it was, like, it's like, you know, it's like the Titanic. Okay, I get Jack had to die, but so many people have done that whole thing. Um, He could have fit on the 
the life raft. I think what you're like. referring to is is bad writing, like in terms of the death. If you feel like it was a, I mean, I think good good writing when a character dies is it as the audience you can't think of any way they could have gotten out of it. Yeah. And in this case, like any race of jokes, everyone in those cases, like the audience can be like, oh, you could just do this. Yeah. So it's not. It's just not a great. It's no. not a great death. Um, shall we move on to yes. the next? Which the next pairs? Shall okay. we? All right. Which pair do you want us up to? Black Widow and Hulk. The un- unlikely and sort of where did that come from couple? Yeah, it felt very forced, didn't it? Yeah. Like I liked the way their their relationship played out, but I felt yeah. like it wasn't seeded in any of the other films. It was almost like we missed a film. Yeah. Like it. Th- 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 I think that's what we discussed. Like, okay, so this was Black Widow from. Avengers, the first Avengers film. This isn't Black Widow that was in Civil War. Who no. at the end of it, she has to. She said, "I'm going to try and find myself." Type thing. The end. Not Civil War. Sorry, Winter Soldier. Yeah. Um, and that's something I'd mentioned to you when we were quickly sort of debriefing about this film over uh, Messenger. Is that I think Scarlet Witch, out of all the characters in the Marvel universe, is the most inconsistently written. Not Scarlet Witch, Black Widow. Oh, my apologies. Black yeah, Widow. yeah. When we mentioned that on our Guardians of the Galaxy episode, like Gamora is better written than Black Widow, and that was just in her first entrance to the Marvel uh, Universe. Yeah, well, I think part of it is because there have been three different writers, right? Because she's. There's been Favreau? Yep. I'm not sure, actually, I'm not sure if Favreau wrote. No, he didn't write Iron Man 2. Well, what we should say is she's been in sort of three different directors' you know, versions. So she's been in Iron Man 2, yeah. Avengers 1 and 2, which was Weed and show. Civil War and Winter Soldier. Yes. It's weird. I prefer Winter Soldier and Civil War Black Widow over... Yeah, Russo Brothers writing, writing or directing her at least, I think is the best. Do you think that's come from their writing um, for... I guess, but you know what, if it's come from the writing of TV shows, why couldn't... Yeah, we didn't... Yeah. Because I think in... So... My feeling is Iron Man 2, she was overly sexualized and didn't really... And almost when she did something, it was almost like, oh, the sexy woman can do things. Mm. Like, it was... I don't know, I just... I mean, like, her... I think Iron Man 2 is by far her worst depiction. Yeah, and look, don't get me wrong. That, I mean, that's the whole part of, like, a spy, female femme fatale spy character. They do use sex thing. I mean, there was, there's a movie coming out with... I think it's... Is it Jennifer Lawrence? Like, the Red Sparrow or something? Yeah. And she's almost like... A Black Widow. A Black Widow character. And it's all, like, taught... Yeah, you know, be attracted to men to get a lead, to get a part, or to get a, mm. to get information, or whatever, and then kill them type thing. I get that, but it's well, you, just, <laughs> you get the killing men part. No, not terrible. No, but it, I, it's the whole like she's just not been written greatly at all. Yeah, and the thing that Joss Whedon seems to do is like he loves juxtaposing like women being really strong with women being really like weak and fe- like as if sort of traditional femininity is the only femininity? I don't know. I feel like this is a pretty sloppy critique of Whedon, but I found it weird in this film that Black Widow, who's such a strong character, suddenly was all goo-goo eyes and stereotypically sort of romantic and helplessly in love with Banner. I, I kind of liked her version in Cap, where she was vulnerable, but in her own way. Yeah. In a way that was more reflective of who she is as a whole. I, I didn't like the flirt. When she was like flirting with Banner, it just felt out of character. The way she flooded. Not the fact she was flooding, but no. the way that her flooding. But I worked. feel like, look, I mean, we probably would have appreciated more if there was like this a, missing film or. Yeah. Yeah, fair call. Um, where they initiated the flirting or she realises she has feelings for him. I mean, mm. 
The other thing is they tried to... Whedon tried to make out that they're all damaged in this film. I didn't buy it at all. Which is funny because it's like we went from a film Guardians of the Galaxy where they're all damaged and we bought it mm. and we got it and it was a great film. Whereas this one, they're all damaged and it was a shit film. Well, not shit. It was just wasn't a great film. I think because the damage was so manufactured. And I think a great example of that is Scarlet Witch was used as a device to... Instead of the... Uh, Lure out the yeah, damaged part. which was... To me, stupid. And if we move over to the Hulk for a bit, when yeah. we go to that Hulk fight, which from an action perspective is very good, like... I yeah, love I've been waiting for... Ever since, like, they did the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I've been curious when they were going to bring out the Hulkbuster armor, and that was great that they did. Yeah, and I love that iteration of it. Yeah. But the way that they set it up is... Like, Black Widow just sets it... I don't... Ugh, I keep getting them confused. Scarlet Witch just basically sets him off. In fact, we don't even see it on screen. No, we don't. So, and to me, I would much rather Banner and Stark clash, and then Banner loses his cool and becomes Hulk. Yeah. That, to me, is so much more compelling than yeah, like Banner mind controlled essentially. Well, I, I mean, it would have been cool if Banner was the one getting mind-controlled and getting angry, and then turning into angry Hulk. Or if we actually got to see him get angry. Yeah. I just, and I mentioned this before, we use his mind control as a recurring trope, and I think it's shit. I think it's lazy writing and that you should find better ways of bringing your characters into conflict than having a third party manipulating them. Yeah. I just think it's lazy writing. Um, the, the whole, I'm a monster because, you know, I'm a monster because I can't have kids and I'm an actual turn into a monster mm. and I'm a monster because I got neutered, essentially. Yes, that... That, I just, that felt weird and icky. And even mm. back in the day when it came out, there was a lot of like, what the fuck is this writing about that? Yeah, part? like as if a woman's value is in any way in... In like, I can't have kids. Yeah, like as if she's less because... Like, because I've got friends that like, don't want to have kids. Mm. And they can have kids, but they they actually don't want to have children. And it's like... Maybe, look, the It's only... kind of almost like a slap in the face to those people. It's like the... devaluating... Mm. People. The only way that I can that I can see it justified is being like it's not that it was specifically that she was made infertile; it's that she didn't get any choice over it. Yeah. So the idea that her body has essentially been um, she's a tool, she's a living without tool. her consent. Yeah. yeah. So, but they didn't they didn't really make any effort to clarify that in the dark. I know, and I mean, you've seen spy stories where that sort of thing is mm. sort of told, and it, like, but in a better way. And I mean, the idea of genital mutilation is not, you know, something that happens no. culturally, unfortunately, to control then, women. But again, if you're going into that in, into that territory in like a superhero story, tread carefully. And this does not. And then the hide the zucchini joke. Oh god, that. Oh no, that yeah, was oh, like god. a throwback to Iron Man mm. Two humor. Um, if I could just segue for a minute to a uh, impromptu segment I call Hulk's Dick Alert. Yes. Uh, we've talked before whether Hulk has a dick or not. I. I, I, think, feel like, I feel like it's cut. I feel like... Oh, that... Well, I guess a zucchini doesn't have a foreskin, does it? Well, that's the thing. Like, you know, a lot of people just assume, like, people who are of Jewish um, religion mm. have... Or heritage. Cultural heritage. Have, cultural yeah. heritage have a... A circumcision. Circumcision. But apparently it's a, it's a normal thing to get circumcised. I know plenty of people aren't Jewish who have been circumcised. Yeah, and it's like a certain period, like, people were getting it done. Like a thing. health fad, almost. Yeah. I feel like, and, yeah, I don't know. For some reason, I feel like Banner would be the type to have a circumcised cock. I love, I love that we have these talks, Billy. Yes. You know, the height of the zucchini joke was terrible. Um, okay, there was a bit for me that 
that happened in this film and at that point I was like oh how did people not realise Whedon was a piece of shit and it's when uh, they're back this is before Ultron gets booted up mm-hmm. and it, not Ultron sorry Division uh, gets booted up so yeah. Divi- they're trying to upload Jarvis into Vision Scarlet Witch appears and Bruce Banner says to her that he will choke her himself he will, yeah, yeah look it's like fucking threat like the character of Bruce Banner would not, I don't believe, would do that. But also, oh, like, it's a man threatening to, like, choke out a girl. Yeah, no, fuck no. Off. Look, fuck I, off. No, 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 no. Yeah, totally fuck off. Like, I thought that... I thought that thing were, was weird. Like, it could have been written differently. It, he, But he could have, like, threatened her, been like, oh, you know, like, stay back or I go green on you. Well, you that's know, the like, thing. Why does the fuck does he have to threaten the That's an up? amazing line. Thank you. Stay back or I go green yeah, on like, you. Like, how, like, I mean, what is it? A Hawkeye took her down without choking the yeah, shit out yeah. of her. But I think as well the idea of, like, the image of choking specifically, I think is fairly distressing. Yeah. Like, it's not a... I get the get what Whedon was trying to possibly I, do, and that, like, you like know, under control cap, like, and they're here to get all... They're here to get vision Yeah. Back. I get that he's but angry. It shit, it, yeah, it was shit writing. You know what? Stay back, st- stop, or go green is a much better well, line. My point is, yeah, that it's not hard to come up with a better <clears> line. <throat> it really surprises me that no one at Marvel and Feige weren't like, hey, let's just change that line. Maybe we shouldn't threaten to have a man threaten to choke a woman. A lot of baggage to that idea. Let's just let's just not go there. Yeah. Um, look, after I've lost my shit at, uh, at Whedon's terrible writing of Hulk, uh, shall we move to... Um, Tony Stark. Okay, yeah, let's talk about Tony Stark. Um, I did, did you? Okay, this is a leading question. I've men- yeah, look, I've mentioned this to you. I feel like this is still Tony Stark suffering from his PTSD. Scarlet, which did that thing, the mind with, fuck, yeah. the mind fuck on everyone. It exacerbated. Except- Except Hawkeye, which was made it out to a joke because of yeah. course he spent the last movie. She exacerbated... Well, I think mind that mindfuck exacerbated his PTSD because it showed him in space where he was. He actually got freaked out. And I put it to you that, like, this fucked up PTSD exacerbated Tony Stark has continued up until Civil War. Yeah, um... Okay, two thoughts. The first thought is that I don't really think this... I think, if anything, this film undercuts Iron Man 3, and because, like... Well, we've, well, we've mentioned before that Tony Stark sort of... He learned something, then... Oh, yeah, exactly. Think it's better. I met, like, I felt like that this movie is a sequel to Avengers, not Iron Man 3. It ignores Iron Man 3. Yeah. I feel like his PTSD wasn't really a thing in this film, but he was clearly mentally scarred. Well, the other thing is, like... His armor is different as well. It's back to the circle uh, thing. Are you serious? Well, I noticed uh, that the repulsor in the middle, the repulsor like thing, it was back to the circle and thing. It was sent- almost like it forgot that he's got a new one from the new element that he created. I wonder if this was written before Iron Man three came out. Probably. The other thing I want to mention is that Tony Stark deliberately references the mind fuck, and you get the impression that he was aware that that even though Scarlet Witch like. Induced the vision of all the Avengers dying. He knew it was. A... He was like, well, it was still. It was a valid point. Yeah. So that was the impression I got that it wasn't so much that she messed with his mind, but she it sort of drastically introduced the viewpoint of what if the Avengers aren't enough? Yeah. And I think the... that was sort of and then what this whole... film was about in many ways. Yeah. And then his whole thing is, what happens if the Avengers aren't enough and can't keep ourselves in check in civil war? 
but which and then he goes and has a hubris to create artificial intelligence. So yeah. it seemed that seemed like a weird that that thought would lead to him creating Ultron. And it's, it's funny that you bring up again this idea that, that it felt like a it felt like they should have been like an Avengers one point five yeah because him and uh, Banner when they're in the lab they talk about Ultron and how they've been working on Ultron and I mean Ultron's a big character in the in the books I feel like if they've been working on Ultron program it maybe should have been sent up previously yeah not six six months or something yeah what did you did you think Okay, this is a leading question, but who did you think was the main character of this film? Because I personally think it was Tony Stark, but his arc—he's not that his arc really went anywhere. But I he think was he like the most time. Well, I think I feel like he was. Well, that's the thing. That's always the case. But yeah, like you, you don't. There's no clear leader of the Avengers. Yeah, they say it's Cap, but I never felt that way. Yeah, no, um, no. Look, I mean, I liked parts of Tony Stark, but not. Yeah, I the thing that I think is themes coming through at this point, and correct me if you feel differently, Billy, but it's that all the characters feel very wonky in this film. Yeah, There's, it felt like it should have had a different writer. Whereas I think the great thing about Avengers One was there was a real clarity. Mm. Each character was sort of reduced to their core traits, and then the way the traits interacted with everyone was interesting. Whereas here, he tries to bite off too much. Yeah. Um, um, Alright, well, do we want to move... Do, shall we move on to Cap now? Or is there something else you'd like to bring up with Tony Stark? No, let's talk about Cap. Um, what did you think of... I liked Cap's outfit in this film. It's I know it changes everyone, but... I did it's better like than it. Avengers 1. Yeah, no I, and I like his... This is... He, it feels like a better Cap suit. Yeah, it, was this the same one he wore at the end of... Um, Winter Soldier or no. is it slightly different it's slightly different okay. it's almost like a combination of the old and new suit yeah which I guess is sort of where Cap is and at this point an, he's got an A here which is for Avengers not America oh, that's cool yeah and he has the magnetic the magnetic shield which is well yeah like I mean the the arm thing to lock his shield onto his arm yeah yeah in, um, so the biggest thing that stood out for me to Cap was how forgettable he was in this film he was used as comic relief and action in terms of I the character. I liked those jokes, the whole... The, the, I'm not saying the jokes were bad, but yeah. you've got a, cap, a character like Captain he America. He wasn't very leading, but it did It did sort of like weirdly... It, it's just, you know how we mentioned 1.5? It was kind of mm. like... It was sowing the seeds for Civil War here. Like yeah, how totally. him and Tony argue. It's kind of forced. I think it sort of forced that... Like a... a a tumultuous relationship between the two. Well, and we haven't sort of seen enough of them getting along. Yeah, and the other thing is, it had like this, like trying to sort out Cap's life in this film, but, but it not. Didn't, it didn't go anywhere. No, but then like it's sort of like Cap realizing. But this is the thing. I don't think there what was. Did, what did he realize? The, 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 that's the thing. He had the vision of dancing with Peggy, but, but there was no what, finality to that. What vision. was the point of that? We yeah. already know that he's sad that Peggy's old. Like, he yeah, didn't add anything. I feel like. Um, they were trying to make it that Cap realises he's a different person to who, who went in the ice. They, I mean, he even says that. But yes. that's something that should be done in that individual's movie. But also, like, I think we've already done, sort of addressed that in... in and also, I feel Civil like... Civil War. Yeah. Not to, in um, Winter Soldier. Okay, actually, one thing I did notice in this film is that Captain America, uh, when they're at the farm, Tony's hiding out uh, at the sort of, I guess... Just before the third act of the film, Tony Stark says to Cap that he doesn't trust anyone without a dark side, and Cap says, you haven't seen mine yet. Yeah. And I thought that that, was in, that did feel like foreshadowing for Captain America 3. Yeah. When we sort of see 
not his dark side, but I guess his his sort of undying loyalty for Bucky and how that plays out. Yeah. But yeah, I just... He didn't... And I, I think I said this about the first Captain America, and maybe even Winter Soldier a little bit as well. You, the Cap's fatal flaw was that he used to be physically weak. Mm. And as soon as he got the serum, that was fixed. So as an actual character, he's kind of perfect, so it's hard to give him arcs. Yeah. And this is a great example of this film where it didn't really feel like Cap had much to do. No. Like, he was involved in the conflict, but when it came to actual character development, I didn't really notice any. What uh, did? You, what about you, Billy? Do you think he changed in any significant way? Or no, I mean, I, I did like the whole team aspect, sort of, like, action scene-wise and everything, oh, but it didn't feel like he had much of a part to play other than arguing with Tony. Yeah, and just a foil for Tony. Yeah. Alright, look, let's, shall we move on to who was surprisingly the most important member of this film? Thor. Oh, Hawkeye. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to be about Thor. Oh, no, look, I mean, I get Hawkeye being important, like showing his family, but I thought about... Thor was, like, I don't know, more... Alright, what do you think? Let's let's sort of do Thor. I don't think he was important. I feel like maybe important... Overall, uh, overall thing wise, I, yeah. My feeling for Thor was like Cap. He doesn't change in this film or develop. Instead, he is simply a delivery system for the um, Infinity War stuff they have to yeah. put in this film. What? It, okay, which is something, like a bit of a waste of the character. Yes, yeah, something I noticed. Okay, now in Ragnarok, all that electricity power is in him. Oh yeah, that's a good. That, the, they did do actually have some shadow. Yeah. Do you think that was sort of him or no? I think it was him. I think... Or do you reckon... We, well... It's I, just a lucky break that that was the... I reckon that they probably had the rough beats. They knew that in the... Because the, the title for Ragnarok's been around for a while. They've mm. announced that. Only more recently, I think it got like that, you know, 80s looking font. I thought that was kind of cool, the whole... Holy shit. That, wait. Yeah. Bang. Kind of thing. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think we I think we thought they probably knew that Asgard was going to get destroyed, but mm. didn't know the specifics, and they alluded to that and the power being in him. So I enjoyed that teaser, but it definitely felt like the first time you thought Thanos, where they knew Thanos was going to be in it, but they didn't really know the actor, and they hadn't really finalised his look, and it kind of felt like that, where they sort of knew Asgard was going to be destroyed, but they didn't know how or what. Yeah. So, um, and so like yeah. the whole, like... Thor straight away knowing about the other stone in Guardians. I, uh, just it was because he goes four. I'm like, well, wait, how does he know this four appeared? It's only the fourth one has only appeared in his brain in a dream. Well, here's the thing, right? Thor basically Thor's biggest contributions to the to the film are in three scenes: the one where he goes to get Eric Selvig. I mean, the one where he's in the pool, yeah. and the one where he lights up. Uh, the vision it brings him to life. Yeah. That's it. That's, that's well, and also slightly hinting that him and uh, what's her name broke up. Yeah. Oh, there was that weird macho man. Do you know thing. what it felt? It felt like we have to address where these supporting characters are, but we can't obviously just. We're both the actresses who play them don't want to be part of the Marvel Cinematic imagine Universe if the, anymore. Imagine if the film just stopped at that point, and then Kevin Feige walked out and said, "Hi guys, we had a lot of fun, but I'm just here to tell you that unfortunately Natalie Portman." And the, Gwyneth Paltrow did yeah, not want to be part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm no longer able to be part of the films, and we can't afford to pay them the crazy large amounts of money they want. So let's just forget that they were in it. Goodbye. He like gives a thumbs up, leaves, mm. winks at the camera, and then we just don't wrangle in these stupid half ass lines. Yeah. 
All right. Uh, look, Hawkeye. You talk about Hawkeye, since you love Hawkeye. Uh, look, I don't, but they, they try I and force I enjoy Hawkeye in the comics as opposed to this Hawkeye. They try and force him to be the heart of the team, because essentially he does nothing. Like, he's a bow and arrow guy, and they make it clear that he's outgunned. But it felt like no one really talked to him other than... Other than Tony giving him shit, or... Yeah. Or Black Widow. No one I, else really talked to him. But then it was that whole thing of like, oh, the team would be lost without you, and that's scarier. I don't think they would. I, you know what? I think they'd be okay. Yeah, I think they would be too. Um, and Hawkeye's secret family just felt so, like, very... Like, so stupid and convenient. It felt like his... What's it called? Um, ultimate universe counterpart. Did he detect with the... Yeah, yeah, he had a family in the ultimate universe. But again, we've talked about this before, the Ultimate Universe, uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe takes a lot of inspiration from the From Ultimate, Ultimate Universe, yeah. Um, and f- look, finally, shall we talk about the stragglers from S.H.I.E.L.D. who are in this film? Yes. Oh, um, and we should probably talk about Ultron at some point. We will, we will. <laughs> leave, leave Ultron for last. Leave Ultron for last? Yeah. Um, yeah, so who do we have from Stragglers from S.H.I.E.L.D.? We had... Colby Smulders. Colby uh, Smulders. Maria Hill, who works for Tony Stark now. Um, we had we the Helicarrier. Yeah, which... You, I mean, if you watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. You which I do that. not. Yeah, so for a while, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., um, every season, because a new, new Marvel movie coming out every year, each season that came out, they'd do like an arc, like three episodes or something, based around the film. And they were usually shit. Yeah, and and forced. So this one Very was... Very forced. Um, apparently, the... Um, the helicarrier that Nick Fury um, has is from uh, Colson gave it to him, and nobody cares. No. Like it's no. Like, um, when I was watching this film, I never for one second thought, "Where did Fury get this from?" Yeah. I was like, "Did Nick you Fury. notice the guy, the tech guy that was working at the desk for he looks, the helicarrier? He looks familiar. He was the guy who wouldn't press the button. Ah, oh, in um, caps. Uh, no way. That's yeah. a nice. That's a nice. Yeah, that was character. cool. I like that. Look, I'm just glad he still got work. Just as an actor and a character. Yes. Um, so yeah, there's Nick Fury, um, Coffee Smulders, and then we have um, resident scientist. I don't. Oh, er- Eric Selvig. No, no, Eric Selvig, and then there was. Was there like a generic? Miss, no, there was oh. Miss Cho. Yes, who's the sort of? The I wonder of... if they put I... her in there because she's got the same last name as. Frank Cho, the artist. I don't know why. They I wouldn't... don't. Yeah. I don't. I think she was just a side character. She's really, you know, like I, I'm. I would be surprised if she's in another film. Yeah, like they made them out to be part of the support stuff for the Avengers mm. compound. I mean, you see, Sil- Eric Silvig has now become the historian slash magic guy. Even though he was running around like naked in the light, like in an asylum in Thor two. Oh, so no, that... he like yeah, he's the I guy. Know, who I don't has know like... how he got back to yeah. In a position of prominence, but anyway. Um, well, let's see, we missed the in-between film. Of course, the yeah. secret in-between film. Um, um, I, I yeah, wanna, look, I mean... And Nick Fury in this film... Uh, I it, mentioned it. I feel like he was like Obi-Wan. Yeah, like, uh, I believe the term is like Juice Ex Machina, so like yeah. God in the Machine. Yeah, he we, felt like Force Ghost. A hundred percent. Like, Force, go, Force Ghost Obi-Wan. Yeah, like very much a deliberately sort of... Uh, a character that was just there to to service the um, the heroes and move them to the next point. Yeah. All right. Do we want to talk about Ultron? Yes. So the do we want to talk about how he's changed from the comics? Yeah. So oh, look, in the comics, um, his origin was interesting. So 
Um, he appeared in Avengers 54, uh, which was July 1968, and was like a five-issue... I think it was like a four- or five-issue arc. So he came... He was dressed as the Crimson Cow, which is like a character that's been like the head underling... Sorry, the head henchman. Well, not a, the head of like also like the Masters of Evil for a while, which is like a super villain like super group almost um, that battles the Avengers. Mm-hmm. Now he reveals himself like at the end of fifty four and uh, issue fifty four and then issue fifty five, and then from issue like fifty five onwards this is when you ex- they explain who he is like a flashback. So back in the day when which is always the most seamless way of yeah. introducing your character. So back in the day. Um, Hank Pym created him. Yeah, I'd say it's one of the biggest changes they made is the fact yeah. that Hank Pym wasn't even in the Marvel Universe at this point. Yeah, so he created this uh, robot and AI based on his sort of semi-brain patterns, which is similar to what happened here. Like, he, Ultron is based on Bruce Banner and Tony Stark. Stark's brain patterns. Um, now, but then what happens was is similar to what happens in this film where, like, Ultron goes nuts straight away. What he does, he... Wasn't handled very well in the film. I've no, but out. in the comics, what he does is he shoots... Um, he shoots Hank Pym with this sort of gun or something which makes him forget what he ever, he ever created Ultron. Oh, an amnesia ray. Amnesia ray. And then does he, like, travel through time or something? Yeah, no, no, no. So, well, he shoots him with this amnesia ray and then, like... Um, by the time we see him later, he's got like a robot body. So back in the day, he was like this, like almost box with arms when he was first made. Like what that's a, Ultron one. And so design. every time we meet Ultron in the comics, he's upgraded himself. Yeah. Okay. And like each comic book appearance, he's like, his personality has changed almost. Like he's much crueler. Uh, it's almost like he's constantly upgrading himself, which you see in this film. Yeah. But every time he comes and it makes an appearance in the comics, it's like, I am Ultron 5 or Ultron 6. Or like Ultron at, 69. Nice. Well, at one point, I think it was like Ultron 6, he made his body out of adamantium, which, you know, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. In the Marvel so, Comic Book yeah, Universe. So in the Marvel Comic Book Universe, the strongest metal and, and unbreakable metal is adamantium. Yes. In the Marvel Cinematic Universe, that's not the case. It's Wait, vibranium. In the comics, is is capsule adamantium or vibranium? It's made of a combination of adamantium of and vibranium. Of course it fucking is. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, and so, like, um, Ultron very much is, like, a creation of Hank Pym. He, that whole upgrading himself that he is in the, in the movies is similar in the comics. Every, every time he is... Like, his plan... He's always an Avengers villain. Yeah. And every time his plans are more crazier and crazier, like, he created, at one point, a bride... Well, he... Ultron created Vision as a way of destroying the Avengers. Um, And then Vision turned on him. Yeah, of course, then Vision joined the Avengers. Yeah. um, I mean, at one point, he wanted to make a bride... That's the thing. Ultron has this... uh, Is it Oedipus? Where you love the mother? Yeah, okay, so he's just a horny robot. No, no, no. He has this, like, weird... He has this weird Oedipus complex because, you know, his brain patterns are based on Hank Pym and Hank Hank Pym's girlfriend slash wife at the time was uh, Janet Van Dyne. Is it Janet Van Dyne? Van Dyne the Wasp. Yeah. Um, And so, you know, he he made a bride 
based on uh, Jenna Van Dyne. Not creepy at all. Called Jocosta, which is even worse, because I think that's linked to Oedipus Complex. Is it? I... Um, well, we see that as one of the... That's another Easter egg for us, listeners. When <laughs> No, no. When for... Ultron fuck his mum. No, when, um, when um, Tony Stark is grabbing different AIs... Oh. Is his girl Friday, and there's also Jocasta. Yeah, there's Jocasta there. There you go. Yeah. Um. So I think I know. I didn't like Ultron in this film. I felt like he's meant to be like a robot, but he never he acted too much like a human. Like you'd think he'd be cold and calculating, and that never. Really well, that's the thing. Through. He act, that's the thing in the comics. He acts like he wants to upgrade himself. He hates humanity, but he has these human traits. See, I thought he was more cold and calculating. He is that as well, but he tries. Like I mean, every personality is different each time you meet him. Okay. Then, like, there was one story once where all these various personalities... I think Doctor Doom recreated Ultron, and all of his personalities meshed into one body. Like, Ultron 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, and all that, and it made him go nuts. Um, and crazy. Um, but yeah, look, I mean, it was an interesting version of Ultron. Um, I like James Spader as Ultron, the voice, because... James Spader has that voice of a cowled, calculating robot. Yeah, he did. But like, he did yeah, the voice well. I don't know. Overall, it was felt a bit. It wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. No. Look, I think I think all, like all the characters in this film, Ultron felt very wonky. Well, Billy, one thing I want to mention. Oh yeah. There's an Avengers story. Um, I think it's Ultron Unlimited. It's in the late '90s, early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ultron takes over this European town called <laughs> called Slorenia and he like kills everyone in the town like in the thing mm-hmm. and it's just like it's very similar to this film oh yeah no, that's a good point actually yeah. of course because here it is Sokovia and he like it's basically just elevates a large chunk of it yeah um alright look shall we move on to our favourite segment Stan Watch yes what I you... have completely forgotten what Stan was. In yes, this. no, fair. Uh, I did for a minute as well. In this, so in this bit, we're having the party after raiding. Oh yes, when yes, they yes, did, yes, they've yes, got yes. Staff. He's one of Cap's army buddies. Yeah. Uh, which I think in one of the, I think he's played an army guy before, like an army veteran. Yeah, he played an before. old army veteran. So, there. so I don't. Yeah, so I don't know if it was meant to be the same character. Probably not. Who knows? Maybe it is. He's drunk the. Uh... That That's right, he drinks the Thor's, like, magic... No, uh, I was talking about more, whiskey. like, back in the day, maybe he drank Super Soldier Serum and kept oh. him young, young as well. But in this film, he drinks, like, some... Thor brings out some whiskey, some, like, magic Asgard whiskey. A thousand-year-old a thousand year old whiskey. That's right. Uh, Stanley drinks some, and the next scene we see him getting carried out drunk, and he drunkenly mumbles, Excelsior, this was stupid. This was, like, this was a heavy-handed, stupid, like, huh, look how funny Stan Lee is. Cameo, yeah. I don't like it. What did you think, Billy? I I actually didn't mind this. I laughed a bit the whole, especially the Excelsior bit, because that's that's Stanley's catch catch cry. It is. Well, that and I take all the credit. <laughs> Kirby, who? Yes. Yes. Um, no. Look, he's gotten oh, better. I, I, on also, anyway. I like to touch my nurses. <laughs> yeah, that's his more recent catchphrase. All right. Um. Yeah. Let's. Do you want to talk stingers? about stingers? Stinger one. Yes. Uh, we see Thanos. Thanos grabs it. And if Thanos people... finally decides to do something. Yeah, fine, did. I'll do it myself. Which doesn't make any sense because this film wasn't about someone trying to take the Infinity Gem, but whatever. Yeah, this felt very much like 
oh, we need to remind people they're not it feels like, around. It feels like it was cut out. It feels yeah. like a cut scene from Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> you know, I should have been at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, now, question, because I could have just had a bad copy of this, but was there an after credits for a final I one? I can't this? remember if there was, and I'm worried about this, because I've been watching the Blu-rays, and a couple of the after credits aren't appearing on the Blu-rays. Because the copy I had of this didn't have anything after the credits as well. Yeah. So please write us in and tell us how stupid we are. Or if there's not we can one. live if Google. So live Google has said no. Yeah, okay, so there is no stinger. Uh, which is and I think I weird because I thought they were in the like in the flow where they were they, doing. Yeah, I think that was the first one. I think I think I remember me- reading something about it. Um, Josh Whedon being shitty about there not being like. What was he annoyed that there wasn't one? Or no, it was annoyed one? like the fan about the fans demanding an after credits. Like, uh, no, 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 no. but like, I think you know by that stage he had gotten shitty with the. The films as well. I don't know. Because remember the first one when we had the shawarma scene? That I was believe, added after. Yeah, it, it already hit cinemas and they added it. Um, Alright, look Billy, shall we go to our final segment now? Yes. Which is, which is, if you liked this, read this. Which is where we recommend you some comics that you might enjoy. Uh, if you enjoyed this film more often, or in the case of this film, uh, we'll probably recommend you some comics that did a better job at some of the, at some of the, the things this film was trying to do. Uh, would you like me to go first, or do you want to go first, Billy? Um, I'll go first. Yeah, so, so what's your Marvel pick? Okay, my Marvel pick not to read... Oh, Age of Ultron? Age of Ultron. Yeah, it's not good. Do not read Age of Ultron. It's not that great, and Ultron isn't even in it for most of the comic series. Yeah, you're right. It's like really an alternative timeline story. Yeah, so basically what's happened... So in the... In the... Um, in the... Uh, Avengers series... Um, the uh, Avengers uh, rescue, I think it's Captain Marvel or someone, um, who's being held captive, Spider-Woman possibly, who's being held captive by all these supervillains, like the intelligent mm-hmm. intelligent ones. They're called the Intelligentsia. <laughs> Clever. Yeah. Um, and they've got like this inert, um, uh, this inert robotic body. And then like it boots up and it's got... Ultron. Ultron's personality in it, and Ultron flies away. So this series is him coming back after that, and like he's attacking Earth from the future, which is weird concept. Yeah, and then I believe it's Wolverine and, the, and Sue Storm yeah, go back in time, kill Hank Pym, him. and then history gets. There's no Ultron, but history gets fucked up. Yeah, and then they have to go back and stop Wolverine from killing Hank Pym and That's tell right. Hank Pym to put in this, like a backdoor, backdoor, to then forget about it, and then. Yeah. I only have it ready for a certain time. And if I remember correctly, in one of these alternative dimension, alternative timelines, was Tony Stark Sorcerer Supreme? No, so it I was... Think, uh, no, the evil villain was Morgan Le Fay, who is an actual villain in the comics. Yeah. Um, it's her who's married to Doctor Doom. Because um, Doctor Doom is kind of a sorcerer in the comics. In the yeah. Um, versus Tony Stark, who's like one of these... like. He's like he's like the top cop, but it's like he just he's very old and decrepit and sits like in this you know kind of. He's a bit of an arse, or more of an arse. Yeah, I think he's got like half a body. He's in like this. I remember it was like a booth, and like you know, kind of just has all these robotic bodies, almost like the Iron Legion doing things for him. But yeah, that's my not to read. Okay, well, any anything you'd actually. Okay, I would recommend that 90 series that I mentioned, the Ultron Unlimited. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was really good. 
Alright, uh, I would recommend, I don't have a Marvel pick this week, and I'm pretty sure that my, uh, my non-Marvel pick is going to be the same. I've recommended this before, but I'll recommend it anyway. I'm going to recommend A Black Hammer from Jeff Lemire and Dean Ormton, I believe is the artist's name, mm-hmm. uh, with colours by Dave Stewart. It's from Dark Horse Comics, and it's about like a Golden Age-era superhero team who basically get trapped in this small town and live on a farm together. Okay. So, basically, this is character drama... Like superhero character drama done perfectly, and if you enjoyed sort of what we like, some of the imagery of you know these superheroes on a farm together, then you you'll love this shit out of Black Hammer. It's just a great series. Um, I will recommend two more. Yeah. Um, so I mentioned in the um, the Guardians of the Galaxy um, episode, Invincible. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I also mentioned um, Annihilation Conquest. Yeah. So in Annihilation Conquest, the actual villain is Ultron. Oh, in really? space, he's taken over... So he's like a cosmic villain in that. Yeah, he's taken over this race of, like, sort of um, cybernetic um, beings. Oh, like a synthetic Yeah, life. synthetic. The phalanx, they're called. Um, so I recommend this because, like, I mean, it's pretty cool to have him... Like, it's almost like Emperor Emperor Ultron. I interesting. I, that seems like an interesting take yeah. on the character. Um, then there's Mighty Avengers. There's an actual... Um, I think it's Ultron Prime or something. Okay. Where, um, so, Ultron's sort of, um, I guess, um, his program takes over Tony Stark's body because at that stage, Tony Stark had that, uh, that synthetic armor. What was it? What's it called? Extremis? Yeah, he had Extremis. So he kind of took over that. And made himself his own new body, but it's in the shape of Janet Van Dyne. Creepy. Yeah, it was very creepy, but it was meant to be good. And it's written by Michael Bendis, and it's one of Bendis's ones that I like. Oh, wow, okay. Because yeah. I was going to say, the name Brian Michael Bendis doesn't necessarily carry assurance. He's Like, he wrote Age of Ultron. Yes. Uh, so he's very hit and miss. Yeah. But when he's hit, when he's good, he's good. Yes. So, where can people reach us, Christoph? Well, they can find you on Twitter at... At Aqualic. They can find you on Twitter at Weekly Geek. Yes, uh, or at Geek of Oz. Yes, and they can find our podcast. You say Google it, um, To Infinity War and Beyond, and that'll take you to the iTunes, Wishaka, and also Geek of Oz on Facebook, or as you mentioned, Twitter. Yeah, uh, and look, if you could give us a review or and subscribe to us on um, iTunes, it would mean a lot. I mean, writing a review basically just lets us know what you think of the show, if you're digging what we're doing and how we can improve. And more importantly, it allows new listeners to find us. So if you could take a few seconds out of your busy schedule to do that, it would mean a lot to us. Well, till next time, I've been Christoph. I've been Billy. All right, see ya. See ya.